Welcome to episode four of Learning with Young Leaders. This is part two of our interview with Benjamin and a follow-on from episode three. If you haven't tuned into episode three, be sure to check it out to learn more about how Benjamin had a change of perspective that led him to where he is today. In this episode, we'll be learning about how Benjamin got involved in mentoring, how he improved as a leader, and what you can do to get yourself a mentor. As always, do give us comments on how we can improve and what other topics you would like to hear. Now, let's learn more about mentoring from Benjamin. Let us just touch a bit more on the entrepreneurial side of like what you mentioned, right? So you've okay. you've started the yep. the clubs yourself, and you're pretty strong on the whole mentoring concept, right? Because you started the mentoring circle, and then now Kenobi. Yeah, yeah. I would say mentoring is something that I really believe in. And I was thinking to myself, you know, not just in the spiritual sense, but also in the sense where I, in my career and so on, I have always had people that took care of me. So when I went to Bering Private Equity, it was because someone else took a chance on me. I was my senior associate. And she taught me whatever it is to teach about financial modeling. How do I look at my models? How do I check my models? Like She taught me the very basic things that even to today, I will give advice to anyone, like print out your entire financial model, circle and then like do the calculations by calculator figure out whether you know this is actually really a number because when you're when you're young you're you're just going to think that oh you know the entire formula is just going to be right right but then like it's not and you're just going to screw it up so like that, that's that's something which i i would say she really took a chance on me and i would say that like that was something i wanted to replicate across SME. so when we started the mentoring circle we saw two main things one is that Everyone in SME was too competitive. Like what for, right? Mm. And then second is that there could be more synergies. And it goes with the synergies point again. Like back to YCP, back to like, you mm. know, when I was in national service. Back to how there are synergies that can be formed that people actually help each other and put each other before themselves. So when we did that, we formed TMC on the basis of solving these two main issues. How do you reduce competition? And how do you make people synergize with each other? And there's one thing that can actually do this. And the only thing is to find givers. That's the only solution. So TMC, when we first started, the only criteria to join TMC is not a GPA. It's purely based on how much you give. You know, like if you give a lot, you should be in the club. Mm. Of course, like people right now, or like people might have different opinions about that. You know, but it's fine. But then that's how we started. Right? So it's how you give. And if you give a lot, you will definitely help the other person beside you and there'll be less competition because you realize that one plus one equals three, not equals to like two or like 1.5. And you would find synergies because you would be more willing to share and the other person would be more willing to help you as well. So I think that's that's how we really started this whole mentoring thing in, in TMC and SMU. In week one itself, we managed to like come out with the poster featuring like three mentors they want to, want to talk to them about and then start like this event where people can just sign up. And week two itself, we pushed it out. Week three, we closed. And then we had some interviews. And it was there where I, I realized how much I love working with a team. So I, I would say that I'm not a very good leader. And that, boys on, that, that goes on back to my JC times. And I was, in, I, was in, I was the president of Debate Society. Right? Because I, I was actually um, very hesitant to, to take this out because I was afraid I'd hurt people again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was afraid that, you know, the, the lessons of the past would repeat. That I, I would... I will not be very tactful, things like that. 
But I think like, you know, over the years, you, you learn how to be more tactful with people and you learn how to deal with situations a lot better. And you learn how to care for people. And I think that's, that's the most important trait that I think a leader should have, uh, which is what I learned in national service. And, and so, although I would say that my presidency in TMC, in my first school, not everyone enjoyed working with me. Like, I would say that like, at the first time, I was still a bit rough in some ways. Like, I, I, didn't, I wasn't very tactful in, in certain things I said. But yet we got things done. And like, sometimes I was a bit too goal-driven rather than uh, like caring about whether or not the marketing poster should be postponed, you know? Mm. Yeah, I was like, now, you know, the marketing poster has come up by 6pm today. Like, this mm. thing must shift here, this logo must shift there, and so on and so forth. Yeah, so that was, and, and I think like, my marketing director was like, I mean, she's my friend, right? But then like, she's like, oh, why, are you, why are you so like uptight about this? And I was like, no, you know, it must be, it must be done in this way so that like, uh, we can actually make sure that it's good and then we can actually make sure that this entire TMC is a success. And also, like, like, that was the kind of mindset I had, which in a way, I, I might have changed uh, looking back. Probably would have been more, been more relaxed. Uh, but then, who knows, right? TMC might not be as uh, what it is today if I wasn't, mm. if I wasn't like, strict about it. So, who knows? Uh, so then, yeah, what's, what's the relation between this and Kinobi? Was Kinobi something you always wanted to do or was it like a natural transition? Um, back in TMC, I always, I think naturally I'm a very ambitious person. I always wanted to do, do more things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, after establishing TMC for one sem, and like, I was like, oh shit, man, this is going to be a great success. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, why not let's start one at NTU now? You know, and then I was like, I'm going to call my friends. I'm like, uh, let's, you know, this boy in SMU, I think you should go to NTU so. Then they were like, all very excited because I, I went to CT 101 mentoring program. That's where I made friends in NTU anyways. And they're like, yeah, you know, we talk about we saw it on LinkedIn, we saw it on Facebook, uh, you know, Instagram as well. Like, it looks like it's gonna be great, great. Like, let's try something and and you and you. And then like, I think at the point of time, oh yeah, I was kind of scared in SMU because they were like, you know, this is come kind of something that we funded you in a way, and why are you selling this idea to mm. other people? Yeah, so I couldn't I couldn't shake off that that feeling, and I I think I didn't really pursue it, even though I I tried to find many people that actually do it. Right? Mm. Yeah, so. But of course, like that was, I never forgot about that. I never forgot about like going to NTU. I never forgot about going anywhere. I never forgot about like even trying to establish uh, regional stuff. Because when I was in my year four sem two, I I had some extreme students in my class. I was from like University of Rotterdam, and then he's like, start he started this thing called like a bit like TED, you know, TED Talks. Mm-hmm. And then he's been running this thing in NTU, and he's like, we should do something together, man. Then I was like, wow, yeah, I know that's true. Like, but you're going back to, to like Netherlands and then what's going to become of this? And then he said like, we can make it global. And I was like, wow, this is a damn good idea. Like, let's make it global, man. Like, you know, yeah, so I was like, I was like, this, this is like something I really want to do. But then I thought to myself, yeah, you know, SMU is just going to think that it's, it's something which is theirs. You need to go through approvals. You're funded by them anyway. And I thought to myself like, ah, oh, it's a bit tough. Like, it's really a bit tough. And when I, when I started my, my job, like when I graduated, I didn't have much time to do this. So we got in, like Hafiz and I got in, which is my other co-founder of TMC, started to think about like how we can get people to do special projects and run this entire thing. But then honestly, it's really tough. It's really tough to get a year one, a year two student and, and like put him in charge and say that like, you know, you're in charge of making this global, man. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He'd be like, what the heck? You know, this is actually really tough. Yeah. I, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing in life. And he asked me to like, <laughs> yeah, so it didn't turn out very well. And like, I'll say that like, that really brought me to where Kinobi is today because I always wanted to do something where it was on a global scale. Where mentoring really affects every part of the world as it did for what we have in SMU. 
And I think that's what Kenobi really stands for. Because I actually put this off for a very long time, but then, you know, COVID happened. Mm-hmm. And when I mean, COVID happened, uh, in the past, like, I used to spend a lot of time with, like, all my different clients or, or outside, you know, having dinners and so on because of my job. And now everything is, like, off. And now mm-hmm. I, suddenly I became extremely free in some ways because I didn't have these things. And and in my first month, I was, like, busy, like, like recalibrating, finding things to do in terms of, like, finding myself again, what I really stand for, what I really want to do in life. And then, and then like, this really boiled down to this because I was, like, everything's going digital. What does digital mean? Digital means that everyone's going to be stuck at home. What being stuck at home means is that they have time for you. And what mean what it means have time for you means is that like it's both sides, right? Mentors have time for you mm. and the mentees also have time for you. And why not connect both together and show them that they can use this time productively, right? So I think that that was a real gist of how I can be started. Both the the desire to do something global and from the start mm-hmm. and also right now in this COVID situation. And I would say that like right now Kenobi is in a very sweet spot because not just in Singapore, but then we recently started in Indonesia. We are starting also in India as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the Indonesian arm itself is, is rapidly growing uh, because right there in Indonesia, it is not 6 million people in Singapore. It's 260 million. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a market full of people who desire to really get a hit in some ways. And like, let's not talk about China, right? China has 7.5 million graduates a year. Mm. It's insane. 7.5 million graduates. That's more than the population of Singapore, including foreign workers. Yeah, so that, that's how crazy, like, the entire graduate market is in the entire world. And that's also the same market size from mentoring itself. And that's what you, what I'll take, you know, we want to achieve. Is to really bring what we had in TMC, which was this idea of finding givers, finding the basic idea of like synergy and bringing it to the global landscape and saying that, mm. hey, you know, this worked. Why not we try this and can it work there? And I think that's, that's what we're trying to experiment with. Because Indonesia is, to us, Indonesia is a very different market. People there are not like Singaporeans, right? The wages there are slightly different. Uh, working cultures is slightly different mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, there's, there's this running joint in Indonesia where like, I think one of my business partners and friends, he, he increased the wage for his workers and then they work half the time. Yeah, so like, there's kind of a different culture there compared to what I have in Singapore. But yet, like, I think that like, we could actually try to find a way out of how this entire thing can work there. But so for people looking for mentors, right? I face, I find I face this issue as well. Like you don't really know how to approach the mentor, like what you can, I mean, it's a two way street, right? When you want mentorship, you must sort of give something of value back. How do you ne- negotiate that kind of relationship? Mm. I think, I think that like mentors, you can segregate them into a few types. Okay, they discount the, the content, the books, which are also mentors, or like mm-hmm. dead people, right? Socrates, Plato, these are mentors yep. as well, but they're dead. They're, they're real books and you can learn from them. But then like alive mentors, like people who are still living, you can segregate them in terms of uh, their experience slash age. It may not be true that age equals experience because some people, they have tennis experience, but they have one year experience done 10 times. Mm. Oh, that's different, right? Different from a guy with tennis experience. Yeah. So, like, the thought of mentor, maybe, like, yeah, you know, it can t- teach you life lessons in those of the bad way, but in, in a good way, may not be able to teach you many things. Yeah, so, not that he's a bad person, right? Yeah. It's just different priorities in life. 
So, but then at the same time, like, I'll say that the people at the top, you know, like these guys are like either retired or were previously board members or board directors or even CEOs of companies. Mm-hmm. They have very different reasons for giving back to you. So the reason giving back to you, right, is because right now, money to them is not that important in life. They're looking for something else. They're looking to help the next generation. They're looking to, to like groom the next generation. And that's a very intrinsic kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It gives them satisfaction beyond what money can buy. And that's why they will help you in, in that way. But at the same time, let's say we go like a bit less in age and like younger, right? So these guys are maybe CEOs or like sort of younger than that. And they might be transitioning, transitioning to that stage. But at the same time, they also understand that, hey, you know, I need to find the next guy who can actually take over the position that I have in the company. And that will be in like 10 years, 20 years time. But then it's important to establish a talent pipeline. And talent is actually the most important thing you need to think about in entire history. And I, to me, I'm a, I'm a huge history geek. And like, honestly, the reason why empires fall is because of talent. Mm. It's because there's an idiot that goes onto the throne and then the guy screws it all up. You know, you, you can find this in the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire is just chock full of all these examples. We have like kings like Caligula or like people who, I can't remember what the guy's name before, after Marcus Aurelius. And so like after Marcus Aurelius, which is a really good king, the other kings were all like really bad. And like, it's because he couldn't find good talent, right? So it's important to find talent earlier. I think they understand that as well. And then before that, you have like the middle managers, right? And these guys, they know that they, they need someone to support them, a right-hand man, a guy who they can be with them and is smart, capable, mm-hmm. and will not overtake them in some ways. But at the same time, they do understand that like, if you're capable enough in this day and age, you could also overtake them. But then, of course, in every Asian culture, people usually don't, right? So they, they want a second right-hand man who's younger than them, understands the ground, understands things a bit better, works a bit harder than what they have so they can enjoy, you know, in a way. And so they, they're willing to take these people under their wings and you know, under mentorship. But even if they're not in the same company, what happens is that I think the incentive many a times for them is to understand what juniors are thinking. Because even right now, I, I don't know about you, you're probably just like one, three years younger than me, probably, right? Uh, I'm year two now. You're going year three. You're year two going year three. Okay, but well, don't get much younger. Like, like, yeah, I would say that like, compared to, let's say, the ladies who just entered SMU, mm. you know, like 2000, 2001. Yeah. Yeah, like, these are completely a new generation, like Gen Z, right? Like, they are using like, words like, eat, you know, like, I don't understand what it's like, like, you know, well, I have no <laughs> idea, like, it was just like, things that people send me. Mm. And then I was like, well, I thought that like, people would say yes, you know, why yes? And people are not saying that anymore. They're saying eat. You know, like, things like that. It, it just shows one thing is that you don't understand the next generation. Mm. You know, you don't understand what they're thinking about and, and they don't want you to understand what they're thinking about. And when it happens, there's always going to be a disconnect. So whether you like it or not, you're going to be boomers one day in that way. Yeah, people are not going to understand us. People are going to call us boomers. Mm. I don't know what the term for it is. It is uh, maybe millennials would be a derogatory term in the future, right? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, but then, like, that's the kind of thing that they want to look out for because they want to understand what the juniors are thinking. Because that's important. That's the lifeline as well. That's mm. how they get promoted and that's how they stay relevant as well. So to them, there's a lot of information exchange that, and re, or what we call in a very formal way, reverse mentoring that takes mm. place. And then if you want to go much lower, let's say a person has graduated like myself for two years already, like one to 
five years to seven years. These are very junior guys, junior rules, maximum manager positions usually, or they're really good director positions. But then um, these guys are still really young, right? And the reason why they want to mentor you is because they just see that you are like their younger brother in some ways. And they, they want to help you because like just three to four years ago, they were in a position and they can better advise you than what all these other older people can. Because if let's say, if you want to enter a company and you want to go for the internship and you want to go for an interview and understand how to get the, get into the company through the interview, mm-hmm. if you ask the CEO how to do it, you're not going to get into the company <laughs> because the guy is not going to, the guy doesn't, has forgotten how to do an interview in that yeah. way. Like, like it's just different, right? Yeah, he's going to help you by writing a recommendation letter, but then he's not going to help you like ace the interview in terms of what to say, things to look up for, things like that. Yeah, things are different. Because like the interviewers are, are then these people, the one to seven years of experience. Mm. So you want to understand and what they actually have to say. And and these are the people, in a way, would be most beneficial for immediate practical kind of career advice. So I think that's, that's how I'll delineate uh, how everyone benefits. So when you say when we reach out to these mentors, right? What do we, how do you broach the topic of like asking someone to become your mentor? Right. I think it's very awkward. Uh. It's like, um, yeah, right. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's it's, awkward, it feels very awkward to me. Like, yeah, it is, you want to be your man? <laughs> I, I think it's really awkward in an Asian setting. I don't know about, about, about Westerners because we are not, we're not really like, more right? Like, so I don't know what they're thinking. Maybe they're just more open to it. But in the Asian context, it's just weird, right? Like to say that like, oh, like, can you be my mentor? Mm. You know, that, that's kind of weird to me. But then at the same time, I think it's okay. Uh, what I mean by that is that like, it's a, it's a one-time thing you need to ask. And you need to ask it again. Mm. So that's, that's okay, right? Uh, so I think that if you, if, if you really want to say it, just say it. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. I think you can just say that like, I want this, uh, can, I, can you be my mentor? It sounds awkward for the next five to 10 seconds and probably the rest of the day. But then you're going to get over it. The person's going to get over it and then like nobody's going to think about it in the future. Yeah. You're going to laugh about it. So I think that's fine. But at the same time, like if you are really shy, you know, you don't want to um, actually do this. I think what you, you can do is to just ease yourself into the situation. Right? And there are, there, are, there are mentors out there that eventually you grow into. It's like a relationship, right? Mm. Like nobody goes into a relationship saying that, you know, from day one, I want to marry you. Like nobody says that, right? Yep. Like so the same thing for a mentoring program. No, or like not a mentoring program, for, for a mentor that you approach. It, you, you just don't go to a person and say like, can you mentor me? Like, so do not send a LinkedIn message asking, can you be my mentor? <laughs> that is akin to going up to a girl, wherever it is in the world, or like Tinder or whatever it is and saying like, can you be my wife? It doesn't work, right? <laughs> you know that it, it takes time to really decipher and figure out but this is something you want to, someone you want to spend time with because mm. that requires commitment. Yeah. But then at the same time in a mentoring program, things are a bit easier because a mentoring program is like going for like your speed dating sessions. You really kind of know that, that, that like when you enter this, the purpose is to find a mentor and mm. your purpose for the mentor is find a mentee. So that thing is settled. And so you can be more upfront about it. Yeah. So it's like, you know, going for a dating session and you both know that this is a dating session. And these questions are going to bound to come up. Mm. And it's not like some random thing and then you're yeah. like, oh, can you be my wife? You know, like things like that. So <laughs> I think that's, that would be acceptable in, in many cases. So I, it really depends on the situation I'm in. Determines whether, whether it's the context of, uh, is it a cold call, cold LinkedIn message? Mm. Or whether it's you're really inside a formal mentoring program. And whether or not, let's say, 
you have to read the situation, uh, you know, and like, yep. yeah, it, like to me, like, I think it's fine to be awkward. You grew up from it. I mean, like, it's okay, like, you know, you just, they reject, then they reject, like, right? Yeah, they reject, like, <laughs> you know, you, you try again, right? Like, there, there, there's, there's like, how many people in this world? There's many people anyway. Like, it's like, it's like the same as dating, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I think that there's, there's a lot of fish there. You can just always, like, if you fail, just try again. Yeah. Mm. Okay, I think I'll just end off with one last question. Yeah. What does success look like to you? Success? Um, honestly, it's very hard to give me a question. <laughs> I didn't answer. <laughs> I, I, really, I really didn't think about this, like, honestly. Yeah. Okay, the reason why I'm saying this is because I have competing values now in some ways. I'm married, right? So, like, mm-hmm. uh, success means uh, settling down and having a family. But at the same time, success also means building up something and then calling that, that thing yours. You know, mm. whether it's achievements, whether it's company, whether it's like a position and things like that. Right. So, I would say that like, I'm still conflicted with, between these things. Like, it's not like I'm very clear that like this is what success is to me. So, I, I think I'll just probably just end with that. It's a very conflicting statement. Yeah, and, and this sort of represents life, right? Like, I don't think success represents a certain ideal that, you know, Oh, success means I want to start a company and then if I start mm. a company, that's it. Uh, to me, that's like that's some people. But then I think humans are more complex creatures than that. We have competing success things in our life all the time. And at the end of the day, like, you need to figure it out, right? But then sometimes you, you, you never figure it out. And I think that's fine because it goes back to the same question that people always ask. Like, what do you want to do in life? Mm. Now, honestly, like, nobody can answer the question. And you ask really the heart of hearts whether people can answer this question. They can't answer it because... It's just, it's just something which changes over time as well. And some people just want one thing in life. Some people want many things in life. Like, who are you to decide that and to decide for others that, you know, this is something they want. So I would say that, like, I'm off saying that. Mm. Right now, I'm still conflicted. I really don't know. Uh, probably, it goes back to my values, which I, which I talked about back in those days when I was in junior college. Finding out your, your substance and form mm. and in my national service figuring out what leadership is which is essentially being kind to people putting others before self and also what TMC also stands for you know giving rather than taking finding synergies in people so I think that to me that these are values that I'll say are success to me over the over the years and this has proven to be true and it's mm. part of my personality and character of who I am great thank you so much for this this chat it's been really nice talking to you I, I believe Kenobi has been rolling out a lot of new initiatives, right? So I'll include the links in the show notes for people to check them out. And yeah, hope to meet you soon once this whole COVID situation dies down. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much, man. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Learning with Young Leaders. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit sakoniorigino.com slash podcast for more resources based on today's topic. That's sakoniorigino.com slash podcast. Until next time, stay curious, keep learning.